0: I want to start this out, actually, with a little word association. Um, the guitarist that was right here, his name is Wes. And when I think of Wes, here's what I think about. I think about guitarist. I think about city worker. Uh, of course, I think about him as a husband and father. But I also think about Wes as minibike expert extraordinaire. So if you know Wes, you know what I'm talking about. If I... Look at Brian. What do you think of Brian? You can just keep it yourself if you want, or you can blurt it out. But if we did that kind of association, as I think about Brian, I associate him with this. Uh, for me, um, I guess the image that comes to mind, if it encompasses it all, it's Swiss Army knife. Only well, Swiss Army Brian. Because he can pretty much do anything. And uh, drum, guitar... We needed a praise praise team leader, and Brian couldn't play the guitar, so he took a couple of weeks, and he was good. So I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Um, The person on on the keyboard, I happen to be married to her. She's my wife, but I also refer to her as the project manager. You know, there's projects that need to be done. There are people that need to be managed. I'm a perfect fit for that, and you're a perfect project execution person. I don't know if you understand that, if your husband, what that means, but it's the fancy way of saying you're the doer of the honey-do list that is being compiled by the project manager. She's not; she's hiding back there. Uh, but when I think, when I say the word God, oh, there she is, just seeing if she's managing the project. Uh, if I say the word God, what's the first image that comes to your mind? A great fatherly figure? Okay. Project manager? True, he is, no doubt. But if you're hurting and you have another image other than a father, what what else do you think of? Comforter? Okay. If you look behind me, because there's one other person that I didn't mention uh, as a word association He's actually depicted on the stained glass behind me. What do you see there? You see a shepherd, don't you? And one of the reasons why I I, I think that is so special for so many people is that when you read the Bible, front to back, of all the imagery that is used to help us to understand, wrap our mind around who God is, you see a lot of stuff that has to do with shepherds and sheep. I mean, think about it. What was Abraham? He, he was a shepherd. What was Moses? Shepherd. You know, God said, I'm going to make you 10 sheep for 40 years, and then that will qualify you to take care of people in my congregation. I'm just so glad in my seminary training, part of the curriculum wasn't 40 years of tending sheep. I had a friend who was from New Zealand that I went to school with, and he actually came out from the rural areas, and he was a true shepherd. I mean, how many shepherds do we have in here? Any, any shepherds? Anybody ever worked in an environment like that? <laughs> Nobody. We can't relate to it at all, can we? He definitely could. And one thing I noted about my friend Andrew is he would walk around campus in St. Louis in the winter barefooted. I'm like, Andrew, how do you do that? And he said well, we tend sheep and it gets cold in the hills and the mountains and we're used to it. I said, well, what do you do when your feet get really cold? And he said, well, that's why God gave us sheep manure. And I said, I think I'll have to pass on that vocation. And if you knew him and you knew how earthy he was, you'd be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Andrew, coming from you. But when God looks at at the whole imagery of the shepherd, um, he calls people into the primary role of being a shepherd, first for sheep and then for other people, because for some reason, there is a deep connection between who he is as a shepherd and who we are as sheep. Um, because sheep, as awesome as they are, is not always a flattering term, but there's so many characteristics that God saw is important because it seems like this side of the fall from the garden, we tend to wander and we tend to be misguided and we tend to need help. And I I was just listening to a a sermon um, by Andy Stanley uh, the other day and he said, you know, what happens whenever we do what we want to do when we want to do it? What do you think happens? we end up where we don't want to be. And a lot of us are in church because we know that we're easily misguided and we need God. And we actually need God to shepherd us, to give us a little bit of a, of a guiding nudge occasionally, if not often. And because we can't relate to the imagery of a shepherd very well because of our lack of experience, what I'd like to do is set this message up by showing you a video of what exactly a shepherd does. Let's go ahead and show that, um, Stephen. May you, may you, may you, come you, come you, come you, Come here, come no ne here, you! Come here, you! Come here, you! Come here, come you! Come you! Come 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 here! you! 다음 뇨, 다음 뇨. <웃음> 다음 뇨, I can't wait for him, but I'm sure I've found it out. I'm sure I've found it out. I am sure Okay, my Norwegian is a little bit flawed, but I think that I think what he just said was my I, I call out and my sheep recognize my voice. And um, as, uh, as it concludes, I know a lot of you were looking at that and seeing different things that were happening in, in, in the telling of that, of that uh, depiction. What did you see happen? What was uh, the thing that struck you most significantly or what were the few things that you saw that, that you're like, yeah, I kind of get what's going on there? What'd you see? Not all of them stayed. Okay. So there were some who looked at what was being offered and they said, oh, look over here, a squirrel. And then they just took off. And then a bunch more took off. And they're going to be disappointed because sheep don't eat squirrel. So there's that. What else did we see? They couldn't see him. We're supposed to be able to hear his voice, okay? Uh, clearly, with all the fog that is overshadowing the pasture, and he's calling out. They didn't have any visual bead on what was happening, but they knew. Okay? Anything else? What did you know, were, were there, were, did all the sheep look alike? They're all different, weren't they? Okay. They all came at different speeds at different times. Um, at their own rate. Did you see the one that was trying to break in but couldn't find a place? I mean, one thing about the sheep is they kind of take comfort in being together in a in a herd but they were sort of nudging one out and that's worth pondering anything else what was the depiction of the face of the shepherd remember when he turned around and looked at the camera he was like thrilled it was like he was in his moment he was at the center of his calling in life and when those sheep came and he was able to feed them, that was a fulfillment of his sense of purpose. You could just see the joy, couldn't you? And as you're looking at that, there's a whole lot more. But I think that's enough for right now. As, as I'm looking at that and I'm seeing the shepherd at work with the sheep, I'm taking note because I'm asking a couple of questions. And that is, if I'm one of those sheep, how is the presence of the shepherd Affecting my life. And the other question I have is if I'm in the role of a shepherd, how is the presence and the well being and perhaps the willfulness or the distractedness of the sheep affecting my ability to shepherd them? And as I'm just pondering that, I want us to take a look right now at the book of John, chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. The message title today is we're looking at seven ways that Jesus can change our lives. Centers on an I am statement, which came from the Old Testament, about the time that Moses had to transition from shepherding sheep for 40 years to shepherding people for another 40 years. And he's telling the people, or he's telling, asking God, God, You called me to shepherd these people, and they're going to ask me, well, who called you to do this? And I'm going to tell them God, and they're going to say, who is God? And God said, just tell them I am. And then there's a blank after that. And so whatever it is that they need, I am. When Jesus came onto the landscape, the, the book of John, the Gospel of John, tells us a lot about Jesus that we don't see in the other three writings of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what John does is he finds seven statements, and more actually, of the times when Jesus was asked, Who are you? And he would say, I am. And if you knew the Old Testament story and you meditated on it, you would think oh that's what God said about himself in the time when or when Moses encountered him at the burning bush and so when Jesus was asked he said I am I am um the good shepherd I am as we discover I am the door um I got the slides a little bit out of order Stephen can you find the one that doesn't have a verse in front of it I'm going to move forward from that one It's in that mix of four. No, it's not that one. Um, In John chapter, um, it's one more. One more. Okay, not that one. All right, not that one. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not a good shepherd here, am I? All right, here's what Jesus said. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We need to go to the one that says four now. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And if you don't believe me, you too, but not during the message of uh, shepherds uh, um, and, and different people calling out to them other than the shepherd. And you'll find that it's true. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand. The Pharisees had no idea what he was talking about. And let's go on to the next one. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We're going to stop right there because the message title today says, I am the door. And it is another way of saying I am the gate in other translations why did Jesus say that? Why was it so important? John could have said, Jesus is a lot of different things. But he chose this term. He took a shepherd, and he allowed that imagery to define Jesus in the telling of the story, as Jesus told it. And then he goes on to say this. I am also, not only the shepherd, I am the gate. I am the door. But what does that mean exactly? And why does that have any meaning for you and I? Well, I find this to be pretty profound because it is so biblically rich. I have no pastoral experience when it comes to sheep, but this is what I read. When the sheep come in at night, they're gathered in a pen. And the pen is basically, you know, surrounded by the boundary of the fencing that holds it, with the exception of the gate itself. You know what the gate looks like? It looks like this. it's essentially the shepherd laying on the ground in front of the entryway and his job when he sleeps at night and I'm guessing he sleeps with one eye open is he's watching what's coming in and what's potentially going out. And the reason why that's so important is because of what it means to be a sheep in the first place. You know, sheep are notoriously vulnerable. There are so many threats that come their way that without a shepherd, they, they just won't make it. Just talk to somebody or find somebody who knows a shepherd and they'll tell you all the ways that it can go wrong. And one of the things that the shepherd has in mind is there are other voices that are trying to speak to the sheep and woo them out. There are forces at work that are trying to invade their space in such a way that um, they, they will find their lives threatened. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I'm here to protect the sheep. It's my job, as I've called them to be part of the fold, to look at all the ways that our lives, that'd be you and I, if we were sheep, all the ways that our lives are pulled away from the shepherd. Now, for the sheep that you saw in the video, there were some who came to the shepherd and, and they ate And they had a field day. There were others who were kind of on the outside. And when they saw something else that was of greater interest, that was distracting or perhaps offered sustenance in its own way that was better than what the shepherd was offering, they ran off. And what Jesus is saying is there are a lot of things that can pull you and I away from the things of God. You've taken this first day of the week. You have taken the first half of the first day of the week and you've said, I want to make God a part of that. My soul needs God and I need to be in an environment where there are other people. Because we know instinctively that without God, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's uphill. And for that matter, we know that there are reasons why keeping God at the center helps our lives to work right. We're, in a, in a sense, sheep gathered into the fold. At the entryway of the fold is the shepherd who is thinking about the things that can threaten your life and mine, the distractions that are out there, maybe way too much time in in, in a digital community and not enough time in a real world, hopefully Christian community. Uh, Perhaps in our materialistic culture, there are things that are constantly saying, this is more important, this is more important, this is more important. I mean, honestly, when you wake up in the morning, do you ever have this inner dialogue Yeah, I need to go to church today, but what else I got going on is pretty important. I mean, it is there. And the shepherd is saying, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Are you listening? But here's the problem. When we have so many things that are wooing us away from the shepherd, that are promising things that are just as good, if not better, or pulling us into ways of life that are not the ways of the shepherd, the shepherd gets concerned. He looks at your life, he sees your soul, and he's asking the question, are you in danger? And then what he does is he speaks to us in a still small voice, prompting us, perhaps nudging us or prodding us. And if that doesn't work, he speaks through other people who become really instruments of his 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 word, people that are tuned into him, and they're saying, hey, we want to nudge you along into church, or we want to nudge you along into the things of God. And then, of course, there's the word. And the word is saying, this is how you live your life. And that leads to the second part of what the shepherd does as he becomes the gate as well. Because he's not only keeping bad things out, he's keeping the good things in. He's creating a boundary structure that says when you live within these boundaries, you're safe. And not only are you safe, you thrive. And when you go outside of these boundaries into, um, you know, into environments that are unstable and sketchy and perhaps threatening, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you along the way. Just keep me close. Because if you stray too far, you might get lost or worse. And so the gate is a symbol of God keeping us within a boundaried structure. Now what do I mean by that? There are a lot of us in this room who have followed the philosophy of doing what we want, when we want, however we want to do it, at any time we want to do it. And we've wound up in places that were not the places that we wanted. And we realized we needed a source larger than ourselves No, we needed a God who was able to walk with us through life, who could offer wisdom for the path. And as we're drawn into worship, we realize that obedience becomes critical. Living a way of life that honors God, that fits within the boundaries of his will. Loving God with all your heart, loving your neighbors yourself, perhaps Ten Commandments perhaps just thinking for a minute, all right, my attitude really is pretty poor. I've got anger, I've got um, um, jealousy, I've got rage, I've got lust, I've got gossip, I've got whatever it is. And we get close to God and the shepherd says, we need to keep that out. Because inside is what's good. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And so the shepherd is trying to monitor not only the physicality of where we are at but where your soul and my soul is at at any given time. And here's the thing as he offers those boundaries he creates covenants where we're in, maybe in a covenant of marriage or we're in a covenant together as a church where we're committed and we're here for the duration for the well-being of each other. We have these boundaries boundaries that we create because we've learned that being free to do what we want to do when we want to do it all the time isn't necessarily good but we've also learned that the discipline of living within the boundaries of the pen and the guidance of the shepherd actually, actually causes us to thrive our well being is in a much better place and that just sense of that connectedness with God, knowing that he is the I am who resources whatever we need. I am your strength whenever you feel weak. I am your peace whenever there's tur- turmoil all around you. I am your, um, your sense of, 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 of a protection and, and, and peace as well when you have fear. I am the resource when you are trying to connect dots for what your needs are and you can't i am your provider of your daily bread on and on it goes that connection that we have with him and that way of life that we have in him is what jesus came to establish but here's where it gets really wonky notice the people that he's talking to the people who know that abraham was a shepherd moses was a shepherd David was a shepherd and it seems like the kings were called to shepherd it, it's it's a theme that just runs consistently through the bible that God expects us to meditate on yet if you if you recall when John's writing this and the Pharisees respond they're like Jesus what's this sheep talk we have no idea what you're talking about it was like they were totally oblivious these were the ones who were called to be shepherds who had no idea what it meant to even be a shepherd. Things have gotten that far out of hand and that far much off the path that Jesus is telling them the obvious and they can't even begin to do the math. That's frightening to me because in, in my role and who I am, I, I definitely can relate to the sheep, relate to the foolishness of the sheep, relate to working with sheep but it also is the burden of the point of view of the shepherd because as a pastor I have a responsibility to be aware of the well-being of people around me to the degree that the shepherd who I follow does as well and that's a pretty tall order for elders for leaders for anyone that's trying to show other people the way Jesus said, I am the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Actually, his cousins recognize him in that way. But he, he owned it. He essentially said, yeah, I'm the lamb, I'm the sheep, but I'm also the shepherd. And I think what he's trying to tell us is we can be kind of both. In our foolishness and in our need for guidance, we're sheep. In our sense of responsibility for the people that we're called to protect we're a shepherd. We have a responsibility to point people to the reality of the good shepherd. And hopefully when people see us, they see him. I'd be the first to tell you, I'm not perfect in that way, but I realize that I have, for lack of a better word, an aspirational mandate to become more and more like the shepherd. And I think all of us do. But first we have to realize that Sheep are important, and so are shepherds. What does the shepherd see when he sees us? Well, as we get into the, into the, into the rest of the text, we know that he sees danger. And I'm just going to ask your forgiveness in advance right now before I show the next video. If it starts to look a little scary, just close your eyes but we have to see it because it is the reality of what shepherds see. The forewarned is foretold. You can take me aside later if you want. But it was hugely convicting when I saw it. So there's another video. It's just a couple of minutes. I think we need to pay attention. Don't do it, sheep. just slid down a bit of rock onto a bit of grass. Unfortunately, Lammy's going with it. Uh Uh-oh. This don't look good at all. You don't want to go down there. Top of 10 issue. Hard severe two sheep. Nothing we can do. Except film. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good at all. it go gone blow yep don't do it lamb don't do it I think the lamb's going as well. you could do. Know how far the drop-off was? Could have been three feet. It could have been 300 feet. And I also don't know where that that little lamb went to from that path. But it raised a lot of questions for me when I saw it. The first one was why was that why was that sheep why were those sheep up on that very potentially dangerous um, uh, mountain area seeking grass? When what did you see behind? That, those sheep, was there anything else there? I mean, could there have been another source of sustenance? For some reason, that grass was more special than the grass that was back there. And therein lies the problem, because when I'm looking at that, I'm assuming it was a mother sheep, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? I get that. I get that all too well, because it seems like in life there are a lot of things that offer so much promise that are actually appealing visually, perhaps, But once you get there, you realize, oh, that's a lot worse than where I came from. And what God is trying to tell us is that I'm trying to warn you in a lot of ways that the world that you live in is very dangerous. Not just physically when shepherds talk about their sheep and all of the perils of raising sheep in the mountains, but also in terms of who we are and the things that try to pull us away from God and maybe try to pull us away from God forever. And there are... Temptations that the Bible talks about that draw us away, draw us into things that seem benign until we lose our footing and we realize we're completely out of control now. And in this room are people who have actually fallen down that hill, but thankfully, by the grace of God, it didn't, you didn't land at the bottom of a, of a deep crevasse or at the bottom of a steep cliff. You landed just painfully enough that you came to your senses and God said, Now, can you hear the voice of the shepherd? And some of us come in this place a little broken, a little bruised, and we say, I couldn't hear it before, but I hear it loud and clear. I mean, I would love to think that that little lamb went to a place of perhaps better guidance. A place that would offer some means by which it could thrive and I wonder, even as I look at those, those sheep and how the little lamb is maybe in its own uncertainty lost, I, I wonder if we can relate to that person as well, because that may be us. And what God has done is created churches that are outposts in really a vast spiritual, emotional, psychological landscape where people are chasing after new and different things all the time and are actually, you know, catering to market forces that are designed to cause us to do that, to be discontent and offering just a little bit more. Come here, come here. And as we do that, we realize eventually I see the pattern and it's not satisfying. And the shepherd comes into our world and he says, there's a better way and there are better people. And there are people that are called to lead in environments that can be a signpost to the great shepherd, whether they're pastors or whether they're elders or whether they are just leaders of, of of your own kind who have people looking up to you and saying, what does it mean to follow God? And as we find ourselves in that role, we're not so much wanting to find our own way, but to find a way to point them to the shepherd you with me? And as God is pulling us in through his people, who hopefully are guiding them in a right way, fewer and fewer of us end up in those perilous situations. But we're kind of tough to wrap our minds around the things of God. I know I am. One of the statements that John says later on that has to do with sheep has to do with an encounter that Jesus' 12 apostles had uh, minus one at the side of, uh, of a lake whenever Jesus had gone through his death, his betrayal, uh, his resurrection, and ultimately his appearance. And as he did that, here's Peter, who had denied Jesus, who was his shepherd, had denied him not once but three times. And here's all the others who scattered when their sheep was, when the sheep were lost. You see, in the text that I just read you, Jesus also said, Not only do I love the sheep, and not only do I want the sheep to hear my voice, I love them so much that I would lay down my life for them. Which, as John's telling this, if you read the drama of his telling, you discover that just right around the corner is the crucifixion. And he's saying, you're not going to get what I'm saying right now, but when you reflect on it, you'll know just how much I love you. And that means you. How much I love the people in Salem, Ohio, in the 21st century... On 6th Street, on this day, that's how much I love them. I will lay down my life for them. I will be their shepherd. I will be their gate. I will be the doorway to their salvation. I will be the means by which they can come out of darkness. I will be the rescuer. I will be the sustainer. I will be the one who can offer everything that we need if you stay connected to me as your shepherd. And then there's us. And we're given the responsibility of reflecting that to other people. And Peter felt pretty ashamed of himself by the time he had denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus shows up again. I mean, can you imagine? Betraying somebody three times. They show up in your world. What are you going to do? But Jesus again says, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. But he had to ask a critical question. And in light of what we just saw of the sheep going over the cliff. It's a heartbreaking question. Because it involves us having the same concerns that he has. When he sees people time and time and time again go over the cliff. Did you notice the Aussie who was recording this. As soon as he saw those two sheep he said. I know where this is going. I can tell you right away. I've seen if I've seen it once. I've seen a hundred times. They go up there. They wander around, they lose their footing, they go off the cliff. And Jesus had seen it a hundred times as well, if not more. And he's telling us, I am grief struck by the lack of shepherd, by the lack of any kind of pen for them to be a part of. I'm grief struck by the forces that are at work against them. I want my church to be a place where I can shepherd people, where I can have shepherds that shepherd people, and where... When we come as sheep in our own foolishness, you know, the Bible says, all like sheep have gone astray, each has gone to their own way, yet the Lord has laid on him our sin, our mistakes, our wrongdoing. And because of that, we are liberated from the bondage of sin, from its captor, from our shame, from our guilt, everything else. And with all that bundled together by the side of the sea Jesus shows up. The people that they betrayed him or they just scattered out of fear. And he pulls Peter aside and he says Peter and Peter's like yes Lord do you love me? And Peter's like you know I love you Lord. And Peter says Peter do you love me? And Peter's like Yes, I I love you, Lord. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And one more time, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And And Peter says, Lord, I don't know how to express to you how much I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. And the reason why that's so important is because Peter was called to be one of those people who could be a shepherd over other people that were yet to come. But like a, a foolish, dumb sheep, he had to make his own mistakes, which we all do. And there's no shame in it because that's how you learn. That's how you grow. It's not how you start out. It's how you end up that matters. And hopefully, we're in an environment where we forgive not once, not twice, but 70 times 7. And we're in an environment that is here to build up one another. And to maybe nudge straying sheep back into the fold. And so when God looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of a shepherd. And he sees when we're crawling around on the rocks He sees when we're about to lose our footing. He sees when we're resting content in him. And everything in between. And the whole time, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. You see, in the Old Testament, the writers, as I wind this up, the writers talked repeatedly about how God had called leaders to be a shepherd, yet they neglected their responsibility and just went after their own business. In my role, I see that as a cautionary tale. That I, of all things, need to have a shepherd's heart. Because as Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 23, and it says in Ezekiel as well, the shepherd imagery comes up, and as it does, it's not very flattering because the people who are supposed to be shepherds basically just lost all consideration of that as even being a view of God. And that's why when Jesus told the Pharisees, don't you get it? And they're like, no, we don't get it. And maybe God in that still small voice is asking you, do you get it? I have to tell you something. The sheep that were distracted, that that is our culture. Our culture does not condition us to reflect on the things that are going on in our lives. And it certainly doesn't condition us to listen to that still small voice. It just simply tells us you need to be distracted. You need to go on to the next thing. You need to be stimulated more. You need to be drawn into things that are new and different and fun and exciting and bells and whistles and all of that stuff. And all that is, is thieves and robbers trying to pull you away the one person who gives you life and our job here is to try to put the food out and say this is where the true nourishment comes this is where the bread of life is found this is where the lack of boundarylessness and order and purpose and discipline and things that you need for your life can be discovered this is a place where people are here to nudge you along. I remember being a sheep in the really the rawest form of of, of that of that description, and going to a church and having some shepherds come alongside and say, "Can we show you how it's done? How we live a life that follows the shepherd's voice?" And I hope in return I can offer that to other people as well along the way. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're a sheep and God has got your attention and he wants you to be drawn into his, into his family. Not just a pen, but his family. He wants you to identify with him as your Lord and Savior, as the one who forgives you of your sins, as the one who transfers you out of the wilderness of darkness and into the kingdom of life and light. That can't just happen in your mind. It has to be a deliberate act of stepping forward in a church setting, going into the studio, talking to an elder or even another Christian about making that commitment. And that's where it begins. But you could be like some of us who've been around for 10, 20, 30 years. And we forget. We're shepherds. We have to nudge people along because we all stray. And some of us are in danger. And we have to do what we need to do to help those who are slipping on the rocks not get lost. We have to help those little you lambs that are perhaps completely lost because all is lost in their world. And offer them guidance. That's why we're here. And so if you are drawn into the promises of God. And you want to be part of that body. We want to help you with that. But if you need some conviction. About sheep tumbling over cliffs. And us doing our job to prevent that from happen, happening. Maybe God is calling you to step up your shepherding game. Because we're both in one sense or the other. At different times, to different people. There are people that look up to you and they need you to be their shepherd, to nudge them, to even sometimes prod them. And there are people that, as they look up to you, are saying, Are you a reflection of who the good shepherd is? Have you ever heard of the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it starts off very peaceful but it ends up very bumpy and at every turn God is with us even to the end where it says, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's calling us into something good. He does so with the image of a shepherd. My question is, have you heard his voice? We're going to gather for singing and, and praising and reflecting. And as we do that, I want to end this message with a prayer for what we've just discovered from his word. Would you bow with me? Father, as we perhaps are taking steps for the first time, we pray that you would graciously and gently pull us into your presence. Seeing the joy on the face of the shepherd as the sheep came, Is exactly only to a magnified degree in heaven what is taking place when we are drawn into your presence or your nourishment and Lord hopefully everyone has been able to feed on your word today and that sustenance will shape who we are and help us to become the people that you call us to be I pray, Father, for those here who are playing that shepherding role. And I I lift up myself even in that mix, in in this responsibility I've been given. That I could have fresh eyes to see those who need to be shepherded, those who are imperiled, those who need a nudge, those who need rescued. And then in the course of the week and perhaps the months ahead, take those eyes and look for the ways that you are leading us, the shepherd, and to fulfill your will and purpose. Let's work in our hearts, Lord, as we work through these I am messages that they could change us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.